You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. And I also have to say welcome back to you, Paul, because the last podcast was Chance, and you're back. I'm back. I was in Texas at the Toyota HQ Confidential event, and they actually did get confidential. They brought everybody into a room and showed off two models. Took away your phones? They put them in little baggies. (laughs) That are, you know, they seal them hermetically. That always, that always makes me laugh. It's yeah. like, put your phone here. Well, it reminded me of being in design studios when mm-hmm. they would take your phone and put the stickers over everything and keep them and all that stuff. What but I find yeah, funny is cool. you take everybody's phones away, and I'm including myself. We don't know what to do with our hands anymore. We're confused. I don't have a photo in my hand. I'm lost without my phone. We're conditioned as auto journalists that you put a car in front of us and we take a picture at least with our phone. So now you've got a bunch of people standing around, can't take pictures. You've taken away all of our skills. People were drooling. Like, what do I do now? (laughs) I'm just, I'm lost. I'm kidding. But otherwise, it was a great event. Came away with many videos, including the Sequoia and some cool track time of the GR Corolla. Unfortunately, Toyota was not offering drives of the GR Cup the GR86 SE, mm-hmm. or the GR Corolla. Mm-hmm. They were only offering ride-alongs with pro drivers, but it was still fun. So I've got videos on those coming, cool. Love it. which will be pretty fun. Yeah, and really the Corolla is awesome. You know how everybody's talking about the Corolla. That's all anybody can talk about yes. is the GR Corolla yes. when we bring up the GR86. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The GR86 is old news at this uh-huh. point, yeah. and still there's people who want to buy them that can't. Well, we hear about this all the time. I've been to the local Cars and Coffee multiple times. We are the only one. I'm just not seeing them. Many people say, well, I can't wait. I've got my name on the list or yeah. I'm shopping around. They're overpriced or whatever they are. Yeah. And it just seems like this is old news. But yet, here's the, the Corolla. Yeah. And it is very exciting. Very interesting. Very cool. The specs, of course, all the information has been released. But at this point, no drives have been mm-hmm. offered. So it's still not a car you can buy. <laughs> it won't be for another six months yeah, at least. I just, mm, this is the but weird thing it is. about the hype cycle. You and I are ranting about it because we're just seeing it so much. That hype cycle seems to be all that matters versus the reality of cars you can buy, which is craziness. But, hey, this is the reality of YouTube, which is a nice segue into something that happened to us with YouTube in the past couple of days. Yes, nicely done. We hit 400,000 subscribers on our original YouTube channel. Now, I can look at that two ways. First <laughs> off, as people that started a YouTube channel, just a couple of guys wanted to talk about cars, I'm awfully proud of that, and I have to thank all of you listening for being a part of that. Those ratings and those subscriptions happen ju- happen and matter just as much as the ones you do for this podcast, so thank you for subscribing. That is cool. On the other end of the spectrum, there's the, well, why don't you have more discussion, which is a lengthy answer, <laughs> but we're just glad we aren't only... It's still not an answer. We yeah. still can't really answer it. <laughs> we're glad we're not only relying on We get on to the YouTube. end, we're still a question mark. But uh, but yeah, that we're glad to have that involvement there. Of course, we have the Test Drive channel, that that is growing nicely. There's lots of stuff coming there as well. We have so much stuff. We've gotten a little quieter, a little slower on our releases in the last month or so, even though we're still releasing stuff, because we have so much stuff in the can right now that we are pushing hard to get actually out for television and then to Amazon and then to YouTube while we go to Germany. Yes. Well, we did that deliberately because I knew June would be the ramp-up month Mm -hmm. because we're going to be back on TV for Season 11 on the Motor Trend Cable Channel July 2, which is while we're in Germany on the pilgrimage trip. Really cool. You know, most cars were coming in April and May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've reached the end of May, and so now Todd is under mountains of digital footage. So is Chance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Got a carnet to get for the... 
for the pilgrimage for yeah, all of our yeah, gear. Yeah. We've got so many little things to do. We've still got test drives going on. Mm-hmm. My GTS Cayman update is coming. I'm I just finished about that shooting That's that. Great. But nevertheless, we're very proud. Thank you guys for yeah. the 400,000 subscribers. It wouldn't happen without the audience. It really That's wouldn't. That's what's really cool. And, and we thank you. When we were in Philadelphia, I have to keep bringing this up because it keeps dawning. When we were in Philadelphia recently, it's the farthest east we've ever been mm-hmm. for our East Coast trip. And we had that meet up the night before and then Radwood the next day. And the number of people that I met shocked me. It was awesome. And the cool stories that you guys shared about why you like the show was wonderful and very affirming, for lack of a better way to put it. So um, we love what we do. We love sharing it with you guys. And we just appreciate you being along for the ride. Big thanks to Mandy Combs. Shout out to her mm. for curating what's on Blipshift. If you go to the partner store on Blipshift, mm-hmm. it's so funny. I'm walking around the Texas event. Okay. And all of our friends are there. Savage mm-hmm. Geese guys, Michael sure. Muzio. Yeah, yeah. I saw everybody. It was great. Saw Ryan Douthit from Driving Sports. You know, a lot of the people. TFL we know. guys. Lots of people. TFL yeah, guys. Yeah, saw yeah, Andre. For sure, yeah, you yeah. know, all these people. To the person, all anybody wears now are blip shift shirts. <laughs> you're right. All the automotive right, journalists. Yeah. That's all of our wardrobes now. Yeah, you're right. That's They've a very grown good point. in such popularity. But we thank them. We actually met Daniel from Blipshift and mm-hmm. the Blipshift team yeah. at Radwood. He came over and introduced himself and it was great to, you know, face with name. He helps us behind mm-hmm. the scenes with all the getting the artwork done. But big thanks to Mandy because she has a, a nice rotation now. So every mm-hmm. Friday, check the Blipshift store, the partner store. And currently, it's Fluent In. That is the I Speak Car number two shirt that mm-hmm. has Fluent In and all the check engine lights. But we forgot John Force's engine light. Remember the joke when he had the glass panels at his feet in his top fuel dragster in his funny that. car? No, I don't remember this. <laughs> he made the joke because you have these glass panels right there so you can see if Something catastrophic has happened to your car. Okay, yeah. And he said, if there's an orange glow, if I see fire behind that, well, that my check engine light has come on, so I know to, you know, <laughs> pull the ex- extinguisher. That's very funny. That's very, very <laughs> funny. Shoot. So, yes, Fluent In is currently available, but check back every Friday. And keep in mind, keychains and decals are and stickers, they're, they're all uh, they're available, available all the constantly. Time. And there's more of these shirts that we've had for design so far. The Blipshift kind of standard process is we release it once. Mm-hmm. but we have actually got a good agreement with them where the ones that are exciting and people like, we are bringing them back. And they've actually told us, it was really cool to, to meet Daniel and the guys at, at, at Redwood because they told us that they've had actually requested that don't know who Everyday Driver is, but just like some of these shirts. Mm-hmm. They're like, when is that shirt coming back? So we do have stuff rotating through, so we'll keep you informed on that as well. It's summertime, which means it's track season. And if you're anything like us, you're looking for your next track event. And no matter what your skill level, this is why motorsportreg.com is awesome. It's ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. But what's even crazier is you can actually get notices about stuff in an area around you, too. I get those emails, and they're awesome, and they remind me I don't go to the track enough. With over 7,000 events annually, it's the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're an event organizer, Motorsport Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve your accuracy, and grow participation, plus a full-time support team who are there when you need them. You can learn more and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver. Today's Topic Tuesday comes to us from Nathaniel G. about balancing the positives and the negatives. Mm. And he writes to us with a question that's been on his mind for a while now, and he just never knew how to word it properly. But he asks us how we balance a car's great characteristics up against the reliability of a car. Mm. For example, he says, we can't say enough about what Kia is doing. Mm -hmm. True. However, will it be in the shop all the time? It's great that Kia offers a 10-year warranty, but if it's in the shop all the time, that's not a car 
that Nathaniel would be personally proud of. And he says also, as a second part to this, we have to be nice about the cars that we're reviewing because if we badmouth a brand, then maybe they won't give us another car. But how do you balance the two? Maybe it's just the world that we live in and how everything is replaceable in a few years. But it makes him also concerned about the future of good quality cars. Mm, there's, some, uh, there's some talking points here. A couple definitely are. Yeah. Well, they, they always come up because the press launches have come back yeah. for a lot yeah, of yeah. car Big manufacturers. Time, yeah. And there's a difference between what I just attended, to, which was a lot of cars at a single event put on mm-hmm. by Toyota. Mm-hmm. BMW does this. A few other manufacturers do this. Where they, where they have the whole fleet versus just a car. That's not that common, but right. a few manufacturers are doing uh, that. I mean, yeah. for this event, it wasn't the entire fleet, but they did announce a yeah. number of different cars, and mm-hmm. they had a number of different activities all yeah. wrapped yeah. up with one within one week. Yeah. They even, coolly enough, announced an interesting new tech that they're looking at for infants and children left in hot cars. Really interesting to you know understand. So not even a car, to. but it's Toyota related under the brand and right. car related. Yeah, I see it. Well, yeah. and they they invite so many different journalists mm-hmm. that cover different aspects, not just through the medium of which journalists cover it. You know, photography or print mm-hmm. or video, but who who is there? You know, what's a particular journalist sort of focus? Maybe they just mm-hmm. focus on car technology and that's about it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, we focus on driving and enthusiastic driving and some off-roading SUVs certainly, but we're known for being enthusiast drivers and wanting any car that you have to be mm-hmm. an amazing car to drive. So they've got all the, a large selection of journalists there. Whereas other co- car companies, they offer just a single car. Here's a launch. Here's the introduction. And that's great for a news cycle. Mm. A, a new introduction, and when the embargo lifts, you just see the internet flooded with, here's the new car that's been released, and car companies like that. So we've been invited to different, you know, both of these different kinds of events, and we like covering them, but since we've never established ourselves as a news organization, we want to be about driving. And it goes back to the discussion of the GR Corolla. That car isn't out Nope. I've already ridden in it. I like it. <laughs> sure. But you can't buy it. I can't buy it. Nobody can buy it. It's not in dealerships. Mm. Most dealerships aren't even generating a list for you to order one right now. Yeah. You cannot get that car. True. It's so very early. We know people that are on the list because they took themselves off the 86 list to go on the GR Corolla yes. list. <laughs> so now... <laughs> it's all just ether. Right. I mean, we just finished driving the new Nissan Z. Mm-hmm. That's more than a year old at this point of being in the public consciousness and the design being out there and the public Mm -hmm. seeing here is what the newsy is. Mm -hmm. It's barely in dealerships for the car available to be purchased. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, you know, you don't see them anywhere at this point. So it's brand new. And here we are. It's not a news cycle. It's not interesting. It's not news, but we're finally getting to drive it. Mm when it actually is closer to being available for people to buy. That's when I think people really start shopping and really start looking at the content that we produce. It's not just, here's the news, the latest stuff coming out. Well, it's going to be a long time until it does. Yeah. But back to your question, Nathan. First of all, about being nice to cars. You've always known us. We want to be honest. The problem that Todd and I run into is if we're gushing or glowing about a car, oh, we're paid off. Yeah. yeah you yeah. guys oh, are yeah, yeah. paid by... Mm-hmm. Car company. company, whatever car you're currently in now, they paid you. They were you really mean nice I can't check. really like it. I mean, the bottom line is we love cars. True. Yeah. I love all cars. I mean, yeah. well, most you love most cars, most cars. Yeah. 
99.999% of, of cars in general. And cars, I love cars in general. Look, here's a global thought. Cars in general right now versus cars in general in the 1970s. Yeah. All cars are great. Yes. <laughs> even the bad cars yes. are really good compared to cars. Even, and, and even 20 years ago, cars are constantly progressing in reliability and all this kind of stuff. So even a car that is bad now, most of the time, if you thought about this, most of the time when you have, you and I have a car we really don't like, what we really don't like about it generally is it's boring. It's mm-hmm. typically, mm-hmm. there are exceptions, it's typically not terribly built, going to break down, this is awful, this is dangerous. That's not what we don't like. Those things are generally generally solved what we don't like is wow we just this is boring mm-hmm. cars have come so far it's not like if this is a death trap or i'm worried it's not that it's just like eh, snooze yes also nathaniel the ability for car manufacturers to change the character of a car through technology to make it more interesting by pushing the sport button has <laughs> progressed so far it's easy to not love a car's base mode Mm, sure. And then yeah, when yeah. you push the sport button, suddenly it comes alive. Yeah, yeah. That's never before happened. The car was the car was the car. Sure, yeah. And when cars that are just that, and the manufacturer doesn't do anything to change the character of the car, it just is what it is, it's far easier to say, well, I like it or I don't. Sure, yeah. Because there it is. That's it. Yeah. But when there's so many modern cars, and through technology, you can change Almost every aspect of a car's character just by tech. And they usually have an AMG badge on them. (laughs) Sometimes. And they're very expensive. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to like a car when it comes to life. The problem is things get artificial. So it's our commentary starts to get dissected. It gets very nuanced. It's, well, I like this. Wow, does it have power? And suddenly it handles well, but because of the artificial nature of the technology, mm. it's not letting the driving feel through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other hand, if it just let the driving feel through, it wouldn't do all the other things this car can do. Sure, when you yeah, turn yeah. off sport mode and it's suddenly back into people mover, comfort, mm-hmm, hauling. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it does even more things. That's hard to be negative against. Sure, sure. But when it's a pure car, whether it's just a truck or just a sports car, I find it easier to say, well... Here it is. It's just one flavor. It's not sure five flavors. It's mm-hmm. not ten. You, you and I generally, though, when we review a car, we very rarely are concerned about: is are, are we too harsh? Are, are are we too nice? We we very rarely worry about it. We just go out. We drive the car. Our test drives are the best example of this. Yeah, our test drives yeah. are that's unfiltered. Honestly, the stuff we edit out most of the time of test drives is because we kept making the same point too much. Yeah, it's repetitive stuff. But but yeah. in general, watch our watch We're both our, like no no. I have a different way to say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. No no. Listen to my version. <laughs> that's usually what gets edited. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Or I just say it the same thing again. That happens too. But but so watch the drive watch the point our, home. Watch our Acura TSX piece. Our original Acura uh, TLX piece. TLX. Yeah the, yeah. the original yeah. TLX. We really liked the car, but we really hated the room. And the room was such a turnoff, that the use of space was such a turnoff, that it got said multiple times. And some people, it still was said too many times for them. We still took out some because yeah. we kept coming back to that. But we, we don't really worry about are we being too positive or too negative. We, every single car, we always focus on pros and cons. And the other mm-hmm. nice thing about both the, this podcast and the test drives is we then t- try to zoom out and go, who's the car for? And if a manufacturer right. Right. doesn't like what we had to say, Oh, oh, okay. I, yeah, I, we we don't yeah. we don't. It doesn't keep us up at night, and we also typically don't ever 
review a car, say something negative, and go, ooh, we're going to get another one of those. There are a couple of manufacturers who aren't real prone to send us cars because of things we've said in the past. But mm-hmm. in general, most people like us and know that we're honest. And I'm talking car makers. Now, there is the other weird factor you're running into here about this kind of stuff, and that is people like to hear the negative. And I mean, I mean to, yeah. that in two ways. I mean, people that are watching enjoy it when you rant and say negative things. But then also, people that are fans of something, you and I can say 10 or 12 great things and two negatives, and we're haters mm-hmm. because they yeah. only heard the, the commentary that was negative. And look, I, I've fallen into this category. I can read 100 nice comments on YouTube, and the guy that makes some really lowbrow, low shot, uh, that's the one I remember. I shouldn't. Yeah. So we're wired yeah. that way. So that happens. But Nathaniel, I want to talk about the Kia problem. And I want to talk about reliability in general because we get this question on YouTube a lot. And that is, yeah, but you guys didn't talk about the, re- the reliability. We just reviewed three cars that are brand new that came out this year and neither one of, none of them have over 5,000 miles. There's no reliability to discuss. It's the best initial quality award. Yes. Well, they're all great quality. They're new. There's, there's no reliability to discuss yet. The reliability yeah. will play out over time. Mm-hmm. You and I never worry about the reliability because we are focused on the driving experience. Exactly. But... That has a flip side. You have to decide, and I mean you, Nathaniel, and all of you listening, and Paul and I as well, you as a car person have to decide how high up the scale is reliability. It's on everybody's scale. Of course. Of course. But as it gets farther up, you lose other options. And I'll give you a great example. Less so with modern, increasingly modern cars, yes, but still, it's still there. I'll give you an example, and that is... The Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio that I love. I have, yeah. no, I have no reason for that car in my life, which is why one of the reasons I don't own one. I have known people that own them and have had zero issues. Zero. None. Okay? Yeah. We've also heard of people, plus car and driver had a bunch of issues with air, that have had those cars and had issues. I personally, if I was in the market for something like that, would just buy that car. But if you're a person where reliability needs to be something you never think about, you're not even going to consider that car. Mm-hmm. How high on the list is it? I, if I'm going to do four-door fun sedan, that car's top of my list. I know that some people have reliability issues. And I just go, yeah, and? You and I don't think about that first. Nathan is thinking about that in a paramount way. That, 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 that's what I hear from you. You're thinking about it as one of the top things to the point that you don't believe Kia and Hyundai. It's a good point. Because here, here's mm-hmm. the thing I actually truly read internally about when that 10-year thing came out, if you think about it, that, that's been their warranty for it's almost 20 years. Been, that's been their warranty for a while. That was a mid-2000s warranty from them. Was it earlier than 08? I think it was 05 or 08. It was, was it? mid-2000s. But here's the thing. Those cars showed up in the 90s, and everybody went, <laughs> okay, sure, right. right. And then people bought them because they yeah. were cheap, yeah. and they were wildly unreliable. And then the marketing department at Hyundai Kia said, we're going to offer the best warranty in the business that did two things. And this is actually what happened. I find this fascinating. They did two things. First off, it got people buying their cars who had never bought their cars before because they were mostly concerned about the warranty. Because if you have a harsh budget on your car, I can spend $250 a month. That's it. I'm done. I cannot spend $251, mm-hmm. whatever your, your mm-hmm. extra dollar is. Then you can't have costs for maintenance. You can't have cost for breakage. That's not available. So that's what the cars at the bottom of the market with a warranty, that's why those cars sell new, because I won't have to pay for anything else. But then the <laughs> right. crazy thing is Hyundai realized 
We have to make better cars because we will go bankrupt if our cars are breaking all the time and we've promised this monster warranty. Right. So, Thanks, marketing department. Maybe yeah. for the first time in automotive history, the reliability worked backwards through the company from the marketing department because the marketing department set the bar of 10-year warranty, and now those cars are far more reliable than they've ever been. Yes, there are still issues. Look up, by the way, pick a car you love. A car you believe is bulletproof. Now go Google problems with that car. You will get through the first page and be terrified. It could be a car that you, you knew it was awesome. One page in to searches and you will be terrified of that car. One you already believe is awesome. So I'm sorry, you can't say, yeah, but have you heard about? Because you know what? Have you heard about? is for every single car out there. Yes. And the people on the internet complaining are only the ones that had problems. People on the yeah. internet generally are yes. not there going, let me tell you how reliable my car is. Nobody writes about that. Typically, you don't <laughs> want to say that. You just don't. You, but if, you had a, if, you, if it hiccuped this morning once, you are online somewhere complaining about it. So just, every car's yeah. reliability, has, and every car has the IMS bearing, the, uh, what is it, the, um, the bore scoring now that is the big discussion in the Porsche. Oh, there was the but D there, chunk out of the cylinder, out of the air-cooled engines. There's the... Um, there's the subframe issues on the E46. Yeah. There's the, what's the weird power gremlins in, in the Julia? I mean, I could go on and on and on. Every car you can think yeah. of, the Bolt had its battery issues, okay? Yeah. Every car you can think of has some weird thing that is, the oh, but have you heard about? So you can't buy a car like that unless reliability is all that matters. Mm-hmm. And no car is perfect. These are my general rules for you, Nathaniel. No car is perfect. If you're looking for reliability, do not buy a first model year of a car. Fair. Because they're sorting Fair. things out. Yeah. Random. Yeah. The, the first year of the Corvette C8s are having issues because their frunk randomly pops open, even though most people aren't having that problem. And they've had some weird transmission issues. But it's a first year car. True. True. So avoid that. But you have to, if you're shopping for a fun car, fun has to be higher on the list than reliability. It just has to be. And you have to take the good with the bad. And you have to know that something is going to surprise you. You bought a car that's <laughs> yeah. bulletproof, and it's going to have this thing you never thought of. Ever. It's going to happen. Nathaniel, there are preconceived notions about cars that are not foregone conclusions. And by that, I use an example of zooming out. We view cars and drive cars as just that car. We're not bringing with us a brand mentality. Well, those brands are reliable. Those brands aren't. Or cars from that continent aren't. Cars from that oh, continent sure. yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. We just drive the car for what it is. Mm -hmm. Because cars from the same brand, one could be unreliable. One could be. <laughs> You're right. So from the very beginning, we've always wanted to just drive the car and enjoy its characteristics and discover it for that car only. Now, there's changes throughout model years. Sure. Things have improved. Mm -hmm. But as Todd said, we hear about something that comes up a year later. We were glowing about a car over here, and then a year later, up. Oh, well, how, got, how, how did you not know that? Well, because time passed. <laughs> the cars got driven. <laughs> they now have miles. They, they, had, they had five miles on it. We got it, yeah. On the other hand, there are companies and websites dedicated solely to reliability, but they can only be discovered down the road after usage mm -hmm. happens, but they tell you nothing about how good it is to drive. It doesn't tell you if it stirs your soul through the corner, or if, if you, 
you just love driving the car or if mm-hmm. it just it's the missing piece in your life because you love it so much and then at that point like you just said todd eh, all right i'll deal with a little bit more expensive maintenance and the reliability of that thing isn't the greatest so you just have to keep on top of it and it yeah, costs yeah. a little more but man do i love driving that car totally. it's my favorite i yes. love it it's never leaving my life that that's what we focus on mm-hmm. and for us to try to put our own like i said brand unreliability preconceived notion or country or continent Mm -hmm. preconceived notion about now this is probably getting unreliable because of where it was built or the continent where Mm -hmm. it was conceived or who designed it we can't bring that with us to any car review anytime yeah yeah. we have to drive it for what it is and just enjoy it and so if we're glowing about a car we have to allow ourselves to just be glowing we've given ourselves permission to do that unfortunately the internet says we're paid off Yes. Well, but, but then if we're not, then it's, well, you guys are just haters. It's such a fine line. Every Alfa Romeo, sorry, I keep coming back here because it's such, such a recent thing in this car I love. Every Alfa Romeo Julia you and I drove was brilliant. Yeah. Base models, yes. upper level models, track, street, never had even, I, I want to be clear here, never had even a hiccup. Yeah. Never even had a, huh, that's odd, nothing. Mm-hmm. We've known plenty of people that have driven them that were journalists that had other press cars and had oddities. What's right? I have a Lotus Elise I've had for four years. It has cost me almost nothing to own that car. So cool. We have a friend of the show, Vlad, who has a Lotus Elise that he's put a bunch of money in to make it pristine from the day he bought it. But you know what? Something's always broken. Mm. Now, he has an 05. I have an 06. They're both Lotus Elises. They have, he has less miles than I do. Who's right? I don't know. I have no idea. Exactly. Okay. So there's this issue. Well, and I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make a connection, Nathaniel. And this is a little odd, but those of you that are married are going to follow me on this. And I'm just going to say this may get dark, but follow me for a second. Okay. When you're buying a car, you're buying for the experience. You want that experience of that car. Reliability is a factor. Good or bad, it's a factor, but it is not the reason to buy the car. Or not, we wouldn't say. We would say the reason to buy the car is because you want that life experience. And even if that life experience is going to be, okay, you know what? I know these aren't really reliable. Cars are something you can get back out of Mm -hmm. much more simply than you can a marriage. And here's the point I want to make. And this may seem dark, but follow me. I fully 100% believe what I'm about to say. Everybody that is married in the world has had a moment in their marriage where they had this thought. I made the wrong decision. Hmm. I picked the wrong person. Hmm. Now, maybe that's the correct assessment. Maybe this is dark. The marriage is not right. It cannot be fixed. And that marriage needs to end. But I believe marriages that are successful and long running, I 100% believe that at some point in the course of that person's 10 year, 20 year, 50 year marriage, they went, oh, (laughs) I shouldn't have done this. Now, should that person throw out getting married to that person they could have a lifelong love with because the day will certainly come when they think this was a mistake. (laughs) But that's a marriage, and they're hard to get out of, and they're hard to get into, and they take a lot of dedication, okay? A car is simple by comparison. It's true. It's the simplest thing ever. Will this car leave me on the side of the road? Maybe. (laughs) But you know what? I'm going to have it for six months. And if it leaves me on the side of the road twice, once I'm okay with, twice it's gone. Okay, you can't make these decisions with people you love in your life. You can't even make this decision very easily with houses because houses are harder than cars. <laughs> yeah. But cars, we, we, and I do mean all of us, we buy a car thinking, wow, 
this better be the most reliable car I've ever had for the next 10 years. Why? Right. Why? Why does it need to be? Buy it for six months. You had it. it. You know what? This car let me down too many times. I've known people that bought a car they thought was going to be great. And the first six months was hellish. They believed. They did research. They thought it was going to be great. The first six months was hellish. Guess what they did? They got rid of the car. Such a relief to know that we picked the simple things to talk about over yeah. here. Yeah, cars are relief to discover. Yeah, this is not the marriage podcast. <laughs> that would get hard, man. Yeah. Ultimately, Nathaniel, not not just the cars, but it's the people. It's the relationships that we have with the car companies that drive us. Sure. Yeah. We want to be friends with everybody. There, I'm sure there's car companies who don't want to give us cars because of the fear of, well, they're not going to say nice things. And that's what, coming back to the original point, these launches try to get around. Mm -hmm. We're always having to go up against, we've flown you somewhere. We've put you in a really nice hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's some great tasting food. Here's a cool car. Just you for the day. Go, please, right? Say nice things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I know that there are mature enough people at most car companies to be able to take what is said with a grain of salt because no car is perfect. Nope. They're trying to go after a specific market. And when a car isn't for Todd or I, we will say that. Yes. Man, did they hit the target market. That target market isn't us. (laughs) I don't need this. I have no interest in this, but you know who'd love it. But that doesn't mean it's not good and we can't gush about it. Yeah, for sure. Man, did they hit the marketing brief because most design work and most engineering work Mm. You're not designing for yourself. That's the biggest thing Mm, I had to learn mm, after design school. In design school, you are designing for yourself. You're doing your projects under your instructor. You're designing for you. You are the buyer. You're you're writing the design brief, Mm -hmm. and you have to be satisfied with the result. When you get hired and you go work freelance or for a company, (laughs) you're designing for somebody else. Yes, that's good. That's good. So we want to be. We want to have these good relationships with everybody, but have them also understand. Look. This is our perspective. Hopefully that is taken and ingested mm-hmm. into the company, as is all these journalists' opinions about a car. Yeah, yeah. And that only makes cars better. The whole point is for us all to drive cars and get them better, ultimately continue Hopefully, to yeah. make them better and better. So no, I'm not concerned about the future of good quality cars. Mm. I'm not concerned. Okay. There's going to be increased quality. Manufacturing methods, materials, ways of building a car, engineering, design. I'm only encouraged. It's Mm. only exciting. Think about the fact that now we, as a collective people, don't accept cars that are reliable. Go to to the 80s and 90s, even early 2000s. Exotic cars (laughs) were okay to be unreliable and have rattles and have stuff. That was just just the exotic car experience. And you paid more. And now, Mm. if you have an unreliable exotic car, your company will not survive. It needs True. To, Ferrari, of all people, have a seven-year, 70,000-mile warranty. Ferrari? The NSX was a swift kick to the boop-boop. Yes, it was. For Ferrari. But, so Ferrari has, a, has a, actually an excellent warranty for a new Ferrari. Why did they do yeah. that? Because it is no longer acceptable for cars to be unreliable day one. Mm-hmm. And then there's, sorry, random flip side. Consumer Reports, who I like, who does really good they do detailed information, and you can. It's a great For resource. Sure. Okay, but they also buy all their own cars. What's very funny about Consumer Reports to me is this: you always, if you're finding the, the results of the reliability of your car, you need to dig into why that was stated to be unreliable. Because yeah. maybe the thing you're looking at, the transmission, is unreliable. Maybe it is, but maybe a good percentage of the people that bought it find the gear sh- shift confusing. 
Yeah. Maybe yeah. the entertainment system breaks, or maybe a good percentage of the people that, that get, bought the car don't understand how to work it. You have to read the details of what it is because it can get a poor rating and it isn't for anything to do with breakage. It has to do with user error. Back to the people that are leaving the one-star <laughs> yes. reviews that start with, I wish I could leave zero stars. I actually love those reviews on movies, on cars. On, I love those yes. reviews because what I find hysterical about those reviews is I don't care what product or service or place you are looking up, movie, the one-star reviews are my favorite, especially when they start like that, because what it actually is is a little psychology experiment. You can dig into the mindset of that person. Nothing to do with the product anymore. It's just, where are you in life? Exactly. You're in a dark place, and it's hysterical. I had a bad day. Yes. And I wrote my review on that day. Yes. And sometimes there's other user comments that jump in and be like, oh, well, you could solve that by doing this. Don't you know this? Uh-huh. And the, the original author is like, oh, huff. <laughs> We're never happy to be corrected at all. Your brakes are one of the most important components of your vehicle. When they wear out, don't just replace them, upgrade them. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes and components on every vehicle in every situation from towing to track days. We're talking about bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Now, every PowerStop kit comes with all the parts that you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads and rotors and even clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low noise and low dust. I've got it on my 300ZX, and I can tell how little dust is on those wheels. So the next time you need brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. We've found kits for our SUVs, our sports cars, and even our cars of the past. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Jacob W. is writing in from Michigan with um, a question. Reasonable or unreasonable expectations? I found this difficult. I did too. Because what he wants isn't hard. What he wants to pay for it doesn't connect. <laughs> right. So here's where we are. Right. And this comes directly out of where we are right here in the middle of 2022 where gas has spiked. Yeah. Gasoline has Big spiked time. and it has created a weird phenomenon. And I'm going to come back to this, Jacob. It's not just you. It's a lot of people. Weird phenomenon right now where people are going, huh. I have a car that gets bad gas mileage. I should buy a car that either gets best, better gas mileage or it's an electric car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You're going to spend less every month on gasoline if you make those choices. However, you might have spent far more to get that car. And if you did, your budget's gone the wrong way. Right. Which is interesting. But Jacob's here Because you're still buying gas or electricity at that point. Well, you're still but, fueling it. But it's just, what's my monthly going out related to cars? Right now, it's tip, the scales have tipped badly toward I'm buying gasoline. But if you buy a car twice as expensive and it costs you no more gas, you probably spend more money. Yeah. Yeah, that, that as well. Well, Jacob writes to us about a debate for his wife is Minister of Everything But Finance. Okay. It's a new acronym, everyone. <laughs> it's, it's sweeping the nation. <laughs> Everybody's saying it. So last March, he and, he and his wife bought something that she has always wanted for herself, a big crew cab, four-wheel drive, full-size, turbo V6, 2016 Ford F-150. Okay. At the time, it was the ideal purchase. Huge backseat for their ever-growing, now almost five-year-old son, 
an also ever-growing number of dogs, now up to three from one in 2020. You know what we need, honey, is another dog. Wow. Dogs love trucks. They do, yes. It's got a huge front seat for his wife's six-foot-three husband. Jacob's writing this, so he's writing it in the third, third person, person about himself fitting so in the passenger seat. Yes, Jacob's exactly right. six-foot-three. Yeah. Exactly. Now, his wife loves climbing up into it. She loves looking over instead of up at truckers. Okay. It's great for snow when they haven't plowed their road yet and she needs to get their son to school. It's also been an amazing t- uh, truck for their summer tent camping trips up north. It's really been the perfect family vehicle for them. Okay. Until two months ago, mm-hmm. when 20 miles to the gallon went from a mild inconvenience to near irresponsible for a family vehicle. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think if I have a car that does more than 20 miles to go. Yes, I do. Technically, the 86 does, and technically, the Lotus does. That's the list. Downhill with it off. Almost, yeah. So after a couple of weeks of convincing Jacob, she won't resent him for it. They have decided to step down to something smaller for now. Okay. The aforementioned M-O-E-B-F has made it clear. (laughs) See, everybody's saying it. Yes, it just rolls off the tongue, yes. She's made it clear she's not willing to spend more than $25,000. She has been emphatic about this, and she made it clear last spring that she was not willing to spend more than $25,000, and he bought her a truck that was nearly twenty eight out the door. Mm, okay. So he says, sorry, no Paul Limiter this time, $25,000 flat. He says, well, we can talk about it if you guys find something really <laughs> cool for twenty six grand." but his wife is glaring at him as we read this. Okay, good to know. Okay. So their trouble in finding something suitable is uh, replacing this truck, but that something that gets at least 30, three zero, mm-hmm. 30 miles to the gallon highway. Yes. So 10 miles to the gallon more than they're getting now. That's actually significant. It is. For but what it's, they're wanting. But it's also not like, I want, I want to stop here real quick. You have a full size pickup that you say is perfect for your life. Right. Perfect for your life. <laughs> and that pickup gets 20 miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, that was hard to find. Mm-hmm. 20 miles to the gallon is actually better than half the cars I own. I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying, couldn't this be better? Because of course it could be better. But I am saying yeah. that 20 miles to the gallon for a full-size pickup is kind of great in the world of full-size pickups. It's very great. The fact great. that the, the market has reached I mean, I look forward to the day when the market can do Everybody's getting 40. That'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but we're not there. But the fact that we're at 20 is a change of the last decade, just You're so right. you know. You're right. It's great to establish that as a baseline. Now, Jacob and his wife have thought about a RAV4 or an Outback or something similar, but he's not sure that'll be big enough for everything that his wife asks her vehicle to do. They also want something that can tow a small utility trailer without anxiety, Okay. possibly a travel trailer in a year or two, when those options can't do. Or maybe they've got a roof with space for a large rack to carry the camping gear and anything else that will fit. They're open to possibilities. Are you, though? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's concern is that she has voiced to him about reliability. Mm -hmm. She does not want something like his mini that needs constant care and feeding. Okay. Ideally, she would like something that needs oil, gas, and brakes, and no worries worries otherwise. Uh So a 2015 Cayman GTS is what you're looking for. Exactly. Possibly even a 928. Brakes. Yes. Well, once you do an engine rebuild. (laughs) Sorry. A whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, once I mean, you get past it's that, it's going to be fine going. after the initial purchase and all the stuff you replace. <laughs> Seriously, Cayman GTS, oil, gas, and brakes. There you go. That's true. You've had very little otherwise. It's yes. been great. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much been my Lotus Elise, Super too. So fun. We're, we're solving problems here now. <laughs> Done. She wants dead reliable. Mm-hmm. 
They've been lusting after Mavericks and Santa Cruises, but they can't find an example of the former to save their lives, and the latter's desirable trim levels are out of their price range. Yes, agree. Mid-sized trucks are out because they get full-size gas mileage. Yep. And they would like to get a nice mid-sized CUV, but they found again the fuel economy is only marginally better than her truck, which would essentially defeat the purpose of switching, uh-huh. like you've brought up. Mm-hmm. One more thing. She does not want anything resembling an Equinox or an Escape. Yeah. Her truck blends into the northern Michigan landscape like nothing else, he writes, and she wants something that is interesting and fun and maybe a little different, but not too different. Not that can't find the part at the dealership different. Okay. So in summary, they're looking for an all-wheel drive CUV, close to 3,000-pound towing capacity, room for three dogs, and a car seat, ample cargo space, a little bit of fun, and comfortable for long drives. Oh, oh, and 30 miles to the gallon. But in spite of the fact he'd also like a color... Because her truck is silver. <laughs> yeah. The big issue is we cannot spend a dime over $25,000. Jacob, here's the big headline problem. The gas mileage targets have been moving over the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. The good gas mileage stuff, like the general, like the market has got there. We got there. We're Good job, guys. We're over 30 miles the gallon. That's all in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. In things like trucks, that's all in the last five years or less as they add hybrid. So you're talking about pretty much brand new vehicles that will accomplish the miles per gallon you're looking for. Pretty much. That will be available to tow 3,000 pounds or more, to have a truck ride height, to have (laughs) power, Mm -hmm. to have all the things you want and have gas mileage. You're looking at new vehicles only. Now you want new vehicles only under $25,000. What are there industry-wide under twenty five grand? Ten things? (laughs) I'm not even talking trucks. I'm talking period. Like go right. out just twenty five thousand dollars to that buy roll something on, new. Things Good that roll luck. on tires. Yes, I, Jacob. I want to talk around some options here, but I, here is my headline for you: Stay right where you are. Interesting. Stay right where you are. You have told us you have the perfect family vehicle. He did say that. You you didn't tell us how much it gets driven. I know it gets it's like daily true errands and stuff. True. But the truth is. You, there's paragraphs in here, soliloquies about how this is the perfect vehicle for your family. <laughs> yeah. And you can't spend enough to get into the new stuff that really solves your problem with the possible exception of maybe a Subaru Outback a couple years old, but you don't want an Outback because it's too common. It's not a truck. Shall I go on? <laughs> okay. It's not fun to drive. There's right, all the right. reasons you don't, the Outback works and plenty of people buy Outbacks and this is why there are a plague in the Park City, Rocky Mountain area. <laughs> But what, you, is being nice. what anyway. you want, you can't afford, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid you're going to buy more than you can afford in an effort to just solve your gas mileage problem. And therefore spend more on an annual fuel economy basis or fuel mileage basis. But spend more on, on a just, just expenditure. out of the budget. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. You have a pickup that your wife likes that does everything you need to do, and you own it currently. mm you can stay right there. I have ideas for you, but the problem is they're all beyond your budget. I can check every bo- every box, but not for twenty five grand. I can't. I think I have the almost car. Oh, I'd love to hear it. You've already said, as we've pointed out and firmly established, that you already have the perfect car for you and your family, Jacob. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea of staying where you are. I do like that. Because it also costs you extra money for tax, title, and license yep. for a new car. Yep. But if you're bent on switching, 
I'm going to get right to the primary idea, cut to the chase, and that is a 2014 and newer BMW X5 xDrive 40e. Oh, I see where you went. I didn't expect that. Now, because it's got an electric motor and a battery on board, it gets a combined 56 miles to the gallon. Owners on forums are saying realistically 30 to 33, if it doesn't include the electric usage. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, bingo, there it is. They're not $25,000, but I did. <laughs> ah, there it is. <laughs> but I did find one. Ding, ding. In Highland Park, Illinois for $26,900. But that's over your budget. You did well. The problem is it has... really well. I thought so, but it's still, he's firm on 25. Yes. 26,9 is not $25,000. It's, it's two grand above. In fact, I'm not even good at math. It's two grand above. <laughs> this 2016 model also has 91,000 miles on it. And most of them that you find are above 30 grand. I couldn't find the tow rating on any of them. I looked everywhere if somebody finds a tow rating on that. But nevertheless, I'm sure it will tow at least two to 3,000 pounds somewhere in there. So it's perfect. But do you want a BMW X5 that's more than five years old at this point? Will, that, will that be dead reliable? Exactly. Mm, scary. Because something is going to have to give in your recipe. Yep. And never have I had a debate come in that we have read that is... So obvious, some part of this will have to give. It's either going to be price, like Todd mm -hmm. pointed out, and you'll be paying more. Good, fast, cheap, pick two. All of that, absolutely. <laughs> but the list on here is dead reliable, drives great, hauls the dogs and uh -huh. the kids, cargo room, not going to be leave you stranded, yes, and yes. doesn't blend in, but kind of blends in. Yeah. <laughs> well, but also, I'll say this, Jacob. Gas prices are crazy right now. Mm-hmm. I do not believe gas prices are going to stay this crazy. Now, I hope not. Now, I don't think we're going to be back to, hey, well, when I was in college, I remember Texas in college, okay, where <laughs> gas is cheap anyway. And, it, and I'm old now, apparently. But uh, yeah, no, anyway, no, but, no. but Texas in the late 90s, <clears throat> gas was, I could, there was a gas station in town I could find where gas was 99 cents a gallon. Dude. That's my lifetime. Doesn't feel that long ago. We may not go back to, Two fifty a gallon, where we were a couple of years ago. People would happily pay two fifty. People would pay three fifty a gallon and, and be like, "Bring that on, sir!" <laughs> I'm washing the car with exactly. gas. We, 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 may, we may not be back to two fifty three dollars a milk. gallon. Okay, <laughs> I get that, but I don't believe we're staying at six to seven. Yeah, agreed. Okay, agreed. so that's the other thing about it. You make all these changes, your budget gets impacted, and then gas goes back down. Right. You're shopping for the fact that right now it hurts, but this isn't an eternal equation. It's not an ongoing gas is going to stay exactly where it is. Gas has fluctuated and continues to fluctuate. I know it in general has gone up over the course of our lifetimes. But gas has spikes and it comes back down. And there are tons of reasons why there is currently a gas spike. But the truth is it's not going to stay right where it is indefinitely. It will go back down. And then you have a completely different conversation I can hear Jacob's question. He wants us to prognosticate as to when it will come back down so they can know how long to stick it out. <laughs> I guarantee you, I that's what Jacob is hearing all right of now. OPEC how, okay. on my phone. <laughs> right. I'm going to call my boys at OPEC, and we're going to have a conversation about what gas costs. Like, hello, folks. Yes. Let's talk. Hello, Sheik. I need to talk to you for a second. Exactly. Yeah. But I can hear Jacob, you saying that. How long do I stick it out? Okay, guys, I'll take your advice. I'll stick it out. Mm -hmm. Hang on to the truck. It's perfect. How much longer 
We don't know. Well, but, but that brings up one of the thoughts I also had, Jacob, and that is you need, you need to map this out. You need to create, you and your wife need to create a price delta. What is the place at which the truck you currently own, what you're currently paying, mm-hmm. is costing you so much in gas per month that that is now worth a more expensive car payment, truck payment, with less gas cost? And I can't do that equation for you. Does this but involve math? It does involve math. I'm I could sorry. draw you a picture about it. I, I could draw you uh, I could draw you a picture of what the graph might look like when the lines converge, <laughs> but I can't make it. There's a graphic novel yes. about you guys doing the spreadsheet. I, I could I could write a very moody scene <laughs> exactly. about how they went and did this under like one light bulb. It'd be really cool. You'd you'd Is see the light it. bulb just swinging slightly? You, well, only if the dog knocks it. You'd okay. see it. You'd have the visual. It'd be great. But right. I couldn't do the math for you. But my point is there is a price delta where that makes sense. But that brings me to the ones I recommend to you that I think check all the boxes. The problem is, to start, they are $10,000 more than you can say, spend. They're not 25000 The Toyota Highlander starts at about thirty five grand and goes you up. You talking new? The brand new Toyota okay. Highlander. Okay. Guess what? It gets 35 miles to the gallon. It is a seven-seater. We've driven it. We like it. It's it great. It's 3,500 pounds in hybrid form, and we actually think the hybrid is better than the non-hybrid. Yes. But it starts at thirty five grand and goes up. Yes. Similarly, the Kia Sorento hybrid starts at thirty grand and goes up, still above your budget. Mm-hmm. It is smaller than the Highlander, also gets thirty five miles to the gallon, also tows about thirty five hundred pounds. And then the obvious answer here, if your concern is gas mileage, is an electric car. But double your budget and then bring extra change. Yes, I love that you're thinking new, but I I threw all the news out. All you have the, the, the at new twenty five grand. The you new have ones. to. Yes. You have to. But then you can't get the other boxes checked. I tried, Jacob. I tried. I thought the Porsche Cayenne would be one of your answers. I looked mm. at the 2015 to 2018 Cayenne SE Hybrid, 47 MPGE combined, but they range from 39 to 50 thousand dollars. Well, and if that's yes. a used Cayenne, yeah. <laughs> it'll do all that stuff. Fun to drive, cool car. Got yeah, you're Porsche. Right. You're right. Dogs, kid, mm-hmm. room, towing, done. Mm-hmm. Porsche. Mm-hmm. 39000 to start mm-hmm. for the used. Yeah. So like my BMW X5, do you want a mostly used car with fifty to 100,000 miles on do it? Do you want the cheapest Porsche Cayenne in the U.S.? Ooh. The cheapest Porsche Cayenne hybrid in the U.S. I just bought that. That's a YouTube channel by itself, <laughs> by the way. Exactly. Yeah, just start a channel, Jake. And the, the sad thumbnails. You and know the, it. It's, it's the emoji with, with head in hands. Exactly. Actually, you can't do the emoji. You have to do YouTube face. It needs to be your head in your hands. My you mistake. do a really terrible cutout around yourself. That's, that's totally, that's with key. a green line or a red line around it. Probably, yeah. I looked at Toyota RAV4s, RAV4 hybrids, not $25,000. I even no. looked at the new CRV hybrid. I don't like the CRV. I couldn't find the towing tow capacity, but still out of your budget. But Santa Fe plug-in hybrid starts at 40, only 2,000 pounds towing. The, and the problem is all of the ones you're talking about now are kind of small. Yes, so, like still I said, expensive. something is going to have to give, mm. yep. and maybe nothing will have to give. Maybe the answer is nothing. It is rare when we tell you to do nothing and stay where you're at, but prices, I, something's going to have to give yeah. from a fuel economy, or just gas price mm-hmm. metric. Something's yes. going to have to give there because mm-hmm. we've already owned all these cars. None of my cars get above 25. <laughs> The Cayman is the best, uh-huh. but the way I drive it, I, I don't get good gas mileage. I know people that at uh, low altitude that can see 30 miles to the gallon in a Lotus Elise. I have never seen above 26. This is the thing. And, and please don't misunderstand me, Jacob, and everybody listening. Am I looking at the gas pump horrified? Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. Am I thinking, would it be nice to have something with better gas mileage? Often. 
<laughs> okay? <laughs> but But financially, it makes zero sense for me to make any maneuvers right now other than keep putting gas in my cars. Except we are a debate about getting into new experiences and buying new cars and doing that, but ultimately... Yes, but if you can't afford it, that new experience is a poor experience. That, that's very true, but ultimately, if you have the perfect vehicle already... Yes, you've gone on and on about it. That is different. Most people that write to us do not, and they're looking for that new experience, mm. and furthermore, they're willing to pay for it at any mm, price yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. You're willing to pay for a $15,000 car plus tax island license and the fuel that goes with it. Fine. If you have the perfect car for Jacob and we have missed something obvious here, I would love to get that email. I genuinely yes. would because I've been scratching my head on this one. I think there's a, yeah, I think we can't make it all work. If you're looking at new, Jacob, one last thought for you. Utilize the federal tax credit as best you can. Mm-hmm. So that That's is good. fueleconomy.gov really that has all the vehicles named and the credit associated to the vehicle down to the car itself. Mm, mm, that's good. What you can get the tax credit for. That is the only saving grace that I can think of is the federal tax credit to offset, but it's not money back in your pocket. It's a credit. They don't write it's you a, a check. credit. They don't write. Please don't misunderstand. You don't feel it. Nobody sends you a check. Right. Okay. <laughs> you will theoretically, theoretically pay less taxes. <laughs> But you might not even notice that it is a tax credit. Feel that, like yeah. not a oh look what the government sent me for buying that car. Nope, <laughs> nobody says happening. that. No, that doesn't happen. Lots of great questions. Not a whole lot of time, but I've got a few I want to cover. There's a couple people that have asked questions about the Golf R because you just posted it for questions today. Yeah, three uh, three monkeys garage and uh, Jim Doherty on Twitter both had questions about the infotainment on that car because you can. We've ranted about it already on our GTI versus SI piece. We also ranted about it on our standalone piece of the GTI that we have on our test drive. We had a $40,000 loaded out GTI. We had a lot of nice things to say about it. But we had the loaded out version, which has their new interface. And you cannot see the disdain with which I'm doing air quotes when I say new interface (laughs) because it is not good for driving. But I'm going to come back around to the questions. You can get a GTI without this. But the Golf R is the loaded GTI, which means it only comes with this interface. Yeah. And so Three Monkeys Garage said, we've heard a lot about the power infotainment. If you have it as a daily driver, can can you get used to it? And also Jim Doherty says the same thing. Is the infotainment as bad as everyone says after living with it for a week? I want to be clear here. We as humans are adaptable. If we want to learn technology, we learn technology. We can adapt to anything. Mm-hmm. We know people that have bought the Mark 8 and like the infotainment, but all of them have said to me, yeah, once I got used to it, right. or this right. is the time it took me to get there. So, of course, as you live with, as we've had it more in more cars, we, we get it more. But the problem is it is fundamentally not as straightforward as it should be. It is like early BMW iDrive. Sure. When BMW first introduced sure. iDrive, everybody kind of went, I get what you're doing, but this is really clunky and awkward and difficult. But BMW didn't chuck it out. They just made it far better. If you get into BMW now and you do iDrive, people often say, hey, this is actually one of the better systems. The entire software industry. Here's a piece of crap. Yes. Please buy it or subscribe to it. It's going to get better. Don't you worry. Here's something that kind of works. It's that beta thinking that, that Teslas have banked themselves to crazy money on. So, yes, you can get used to it. Yes, it is still frustrating. I wish it was better. We'll see if they change it. But, of course, you can adapt, and you make it to a place you don't care. What I've done that is the solve 
You set the car up once. You never touch those while you're sitting in a driveway. Don't <laughs> right. do it while you're driving. You'll right. never get there while you're driving. Exactly. You set the car up once in your driveway, get all the settings set, and then you plug your phone in so you have Apple CarPlay, and then you never see the system again. Sean Clark asks if we would ever drive a car with an ugly exterior, but the cabin and driving mechanics were amazing, Corvette C8. What? P- Porsche Panamera. <laughs> I read that with Porsche Panamera. You just you gave me the that. advertisement for Porsche Panamera. Ugly exterior, but the cabin and driving mechanics are amazing. Panamera. I have to move on to Seth Kleinman's question. Have you ever named any of your cars? Why or why not? Only the Jeep. Cherokee that I inherited and shared with my sister drove in co- in high school, not college, high school, inherited from my dad. And it was a boom car because I put my <laughs> friend's 10 inch Fisher subs in the back and Perfect. wired it to the two ohms. So it get the low frequencies. Wow. And it was Betty, the boom and bass. Wow. Nicely done. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Bob McCormick asks me, do I have a fondness? He asks you if you have a fondness for pocket watches since you like watches. But he asks me, do I have a fondness for older analog film cameras? If given the option, or in this case, the budget, would we use real film for the next, for everyday driver? Um, I like analog film, but it isn't a universal like. Mm-hmm. Having worked in the film industry when it was all film and was transitioning to digital, digital is so much easier, I can't even tell you. And the the effort created to get a fantastic image is significantly less effort to get a fantastic image. One of the few filmmakers still working in film right now is Christopher Nolan. Mm. He only shoots on film, and it looks unbelievable as a result. If I was going to use film, it would be on a feature film, and it would most likely be on a Western I will tell you the one thing I have no tolerance for, and that is a Western shot on digital just looks wrong. I am putting my stake in the ground. You can shoot a sci-fi on digital stuff, and it looks great. That spaceship is awesome. You're doing visual effects, but a guy in leather and a gun and a horse standing in front of an amazing background in the middle of Utah at the sunset shot in digital doesn't look right. Where's my film grain? Okay. As a result, when we shoot cars, I'm fine with shooting as we do. It allows us to be very compact. We can get a lot of stuff shot in crazy places that are hard to shoot. Film will only make it harder. But if I get to direct that Western, and I have a script, if I get to direct that Western, one of the places where they're going to shake their head at me is what I'm going to say when we need to add like 25 or 50% to the budget because I want to do film. I love it. Here's a question for you. What resolution is film? What does it equate to? Is it 8K? Uh, between 4 and 8K, depending upon what film stock you're using. Depending on the quality of what and, you buy, and, right? And they, they aren't, there isn't an equivalency. They aren't an equivalency. However, the, the argument is, unless you go IMAX and then we're way beyond 8K, but the argument is, what's the point at which the resolution you're capturing it at? Because think about this. Sorry, jumping back. When I was in the film industry, we were in the process of transitioning from film to digital. So what was happening is you were scanning the film into a digital environment. At that point, only 2K, and they were just working on 4K. That comes down to the digital equipment at that point. Exactly. The, the input. But the point I'm making right. here is, what it, the, even though they aren't equivalent, what is the point at which the amount of resolution you can scan is more information than the film can give up? Hmm. And that is, depending on the film stock, between 4 and 8K. But if you go IMAX, it's a whole other world. But by 8K, you're getting to a place where there's not more information on the film than the digital uh, file can take in. But then we can get into crazy things like bit depth and other crazy things that I will not get into now because I can be geeky and start speaking film Swahili. But you know what? <laughs> it's all good. This is, here's, all here's good. a crazy reality. GoPros 
are not the nicest image on the planet. They're not. Right. They right. have a tiny little chip. They have a standard lens. They're built in, that kind of stuff. But there is no benefit to us to rig a huge high-end camera in a car. We've done that. Actually. We've done it. We've done it. And as GoPros have gotten better, there's no upside to your viewership enjoyment for me having a camera that sees more of my wrinkles and bad skin. There's no benefit. <laughs> okay? You see us just fine. We're not dark. We're not out of focus. We sure, look fine. Sure. And we can mount that stuff so quickly that I would rather spend the time driving the cars, getting good shots on the exterior, that kind of stuff. Let's use a GoPro. Good point. I, could, I Good can point. argue all the reasons we shouldn't use a GoPro. I could have a whole like sub podcast on why not. We had a, but we just uh, do them. The Canon, uh, what was it? The five D mounted oh, in yeah. Ollie, the Porsche. The in our in our fifty years of nine eleven, we used a big. Can- it, it looks was awesome. Huge. It looks awesome, but it was a difficult mounting reality. It took up the entire front passenger <laughs> glass area. <laughs> looked awesome, but you see us in lots of detail. Yeah. Bob, I'm not into pocket watches per se, but I do have my great-grandfather's pocket watch. It works, and it's awesome, and it's all beat up, and it has stories to tell. I do love that. And one last question here from Facebook. Alvin T. asks you, Todd, about modifying exhaust. Would you recommend active exhaust with the on-off switch as a good option? That's happened a lot. My car has that. It's the sport uh, button. All I care about with exhaust, honestly, is what's my experience in the car. Yeah. If it's if it's too loud for me in the car, I don't like the sound of it in the car. To the point, look, I'll, I'll say sacrilege right now. I actually don't have a huge problem with piped-in exhaust. Generally, it's done badly. Sure. But fundamentally, I don't have an issue with it if it actually increases my enjoyment in the car. I generally don't find that it increases my enjoyment. Mm-hmm. But the concept of piped-in exhaust is the car has gotten so quiet that we had to bring a fake noise in. I understand that that was the, this was yeah. the equation that we led to. I, I see how the equation happened. I don't have a problem with it. If it, if it increases my enjoyment of the car, I just, an exhaust gains you so little performance and generally makes the car less comfortable to be in. If we can do that with a switch, brilliant. Yeah, I hear you. He asks me, Alvin asks me, why are suicide doors not more popular? Mm. Is it design or structural challenge or a user acceptance issue? It's a bit of everything you've just named, Alvin. But ultimately, suicide doors are about the grandiose. Think Mm. about it. Mm -hmm. Of course, they only work on large sedans and four-door cars. But at that point, it's it's not about the car or the driving experience anymore. It's the theater. Absolutely. And it only works on really one car. That's the 60, what, two, 60, 64, 62 to 65 Lincolns. That, that range. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's really where it works and it should be left in time. It's cool, but man, are those doors heavy? Yes. It's a structural issue. You just don't need suicide doors. Well, I suppose the, the rolls, all the, the current rolls, rolls is doing. Yeah. Cool. But think about those cars. Yeah. It's the grandiose element. It's it the is presentation, the theater, it's totally the theater, theater of the car. It's, it's, it is. Suicide doors are for high-end sedans what gall-wing doors are for sports cars. Fair enough. There's no reason. No. It doesn't have any purpose other than, did you see the crazy doors I have? It almost justifies your purchase price, the ownership of it, but that's part of what a car at that level should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we all don't need suicide doors. <laughs> really don't. <laughs> you know what I need? I need a door that opens and a door that closes. Just want to get in. I don't even really care how it sounds. You at least I care how it sounds. I do care how it sounds. I just, I need, the, the door sound on the Lotus, terrible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Terrible. Let's focus less on the suicide part and more about how the door sounds the when door. you close yes. it. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really, really appreciate you following along. Please rate and review the podcast as well. Yes, please. And 
we're hearing from you. We're glad you like the Wednesday Test Drive podcast. That is the Thank audio you. right out of the YouTube file, now presented as a podcast. And uh, please continue to write to us, TV at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. Yeah. Cheers, everyone.